called to the cloud let's see oh recording there we go hello hannah hello um, hello um hannah murray queen of the podcast i never know how to introduce a podcast i'm terrible at it <laughs> this is my name's jen this is the liberty ladies podcast and this is hannah murray star of plus size versus reality right and now my second podcast launched in December called Creativity. And creativity. It is, yeah, like Creativity, because creative women spill in the tea on life. Love that. Um, yeah, so that's my second platform. Um, but yeah, basically my own podcast is Plus Size Versus Reality, which you and Holly obviously starred in um, in season one. I love that. I loved it. It's um, podcasts are interesting, aren't they? They're depending on what your topic of conversation that you're having or who you've got on it. Um, it very much um, escalated quite quickly when I first came up with the idea of wanting. So I've written a blog for about three or four years, mm-hmm. and it is a massive outlet for me in terms of kind of releasing my woes out there into the ether and kind of allowing myself to forget about the things that bother my brain. Um, mm-hmm. And somebody who had been following me for a little while kind of sent me a message and said, have you ever thought about doing audio versions of your blog? And I was thinking, Jesus Christ, no one wants to hear me talk about it. It's hard enough to write about it. (laughs) Um, But it sat with me for a few months and I thought, oh, okay, I'll give it a go. No one likes their recorded voice. I mean, when I leave a voicemail on my friends, they all laugh at me because I just sound like a man. Um, so um, I sound like Janet Street Porter. Carry on. There you go. You're lucky you don't sound like a man. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound like a man. Um, but yeah, so I thought about it for a long time and then I was like, oh, I'm just going to bite the bullet and do it. So that's what I did. Um, and yeah, we've I've got 3,000 subscribers now and next wow. week I will launch season two. Um <gasps> So and do they link it like do they have a theme or um and you started a spin-off why did you start the spin-off talk to me about that the spin-off well your other platform my other platform so um season two for plus size versus reality it will continue in the same theme and that's real people talking about real life and real mm-hmm. experiences and I think that's really important that people share those things because we never know who we're going to help um yeah creativity is a spin-off of that platform um because a lot of my friends are um music producers or singers or makeup artists or performers in some kind of creative um outlet but Mm -hmm. because of lockdown they all had to stop and they weren't allowed to work yeah so we ended up setting up a whatsapp group that ended up being like the what kept us all going it's full of poo stories and issues with children and I hate my husband and oh my god I've drunk too much um through lockdown and I actually sat there and thought oh my god if people could actually listen to this on a podcast I think it would keep everyone going um so that's what we did amazing yeah so we just all decided that we would and is that more of a collective um or is are you still heading that so it's got my name on it um, and the sponsorship through my platform. Um, but there's mm-hmm. six of us and it's very much an equal discussion. And we literally just go into the studio and talk about shit. Whatever comes out, comes oh, out. I love that. I love that. So it's and very I, real. I feel like when you do that, it's um, I love the organicness of that. And I love that. Um, I love it when you start to build trust in that 
as long as you give something a space and time yeah. um something come something useful always comes out and something interesting um yeah and you learn a lot about people so these are these are individuals I haven't known for a very long time and I mean I know them socially and I know yeah. them creatively but I don't know the history of their life I don't know what they've experienced and it all comes out in those platforms because everyone's quite comfortable to share it yeah. um you learn a lot and you learn a lot about those people and you learn how similar you actually are yeah and experiences that are the same and ways around doing things that you may not have thought of um and Lucy one of my closest friends she's a makeup artist and she's on the podcast she's taught me more about makeup in the last year on like and networking through this podcast than I ever knew about makeup and you wouldn't think you could convey much about makeup on a podcast because it to me makeup's very visual yeah. but actually you could probably you do learn a lot of, like from auditory right as well yeah exactly so it's all about sharing is caring yeah it so is so is and oh, I can't remember what I was going to say about creativity I had something to say about it but I just love creatives I love live you know I'm very lucky that I live a very creative life but yeah. before I did the anger and frustration in my body that was with me every day um for, through not having um that creative outlet tap mm. turned on and the um resentment that I felt of constantly hiding that part of me and denying that space to create yeah really you know as soon as I as soon as my ex-husband gave me that camera I was like see you later bye everyone bye life bye kids um not completely but you know what I mean you yeah. it's such a it's such a lovely thing when you are reunited with your creativity oh, and yeah. so thank you for doing that it's yeah no, I've always been creative and not and not um the academic type mm-hmm. um that so surprises I've, me well, yeah, because of my job, everyone says that. Um, I'm not. I'm not an academic. I didn't do great at school. I got a first honours degree when I did my nursing, but I really struggled through school. Had mm-hmm. a really bad schooling type environment in terms of bullying, which people would have read and heard about through the blog and podcast. But um, it very much tarnished my abilities at school. Um, and it wasn't until mm-hmm. I went to university that I, I kind of was exposed to opportunity and uh, um, was free and allowed to be who I wanted to be. And that gave me the focus to really knuckle down on my studies. But also, um, if you are being bullied and your prefrontal cortex is turned off, you're not going to be able to retain any information or learn anything because you're in fight or flight. Yeah. Um, so maybe it wasn't anything to do with, you know, you. it was just environmental. You needed to be in a safer place. Yeah. Um, which oh. I recognize now but at the time the world yeah. is a funny thing isn't it um so also you are a nurse like you just said um yeah. and you're specifically in mental health nursing is that right yep yeah, so um I'm a mental health nurse um I work um in West Hampshire predominantly um so in the north of the county and my um, speciality one I was at university which I specialize in is autism and ADHD Um, so my um, understanding of that area of expertise is is a lot more prominent than the things like bipolar and things like that but um, we do touch on it obviously with the referrals that come in so yeah I've done mental health nursing now for over 13 years amazing thank you for doing that as well 
lady thank you from the community <laughs> all these thank you tick boxes <laughs> i know but it's really it's really important isn't it and um i was reading after um hannah and i had a zoom call on thursday because i wanted to listen a little bit more about um understand a little bit more about um what the nhs what people in the nhs the workers in the nhs are actually going through at the moment Mm. and one of the things that came up was blame culture and i started googling what the opposite of blame culture is um and uh, um what what it said was that um when you accept when someone when something goes wrong the whole organization has um not allowed that to go wrong but it's been facilitated essentially any mistakes are facilitated by the structure of the organization and that it is swallowed up really by management or as high a level as possible as possible to say Mm -hmm. well do you know what we could have done this to support you more or we could have done that to make sure that that hole would never happen Mm -hmm. um and it was really interesting actually um reading reading about that um, I think um, blame culture in the NHS is um, something that is quite a big struggle for um, the nurses on the ground or the medical professionals because we kind of need to capsulate them all in one pot, really, because you've got all sorts of um, p- people with professionalisms that work in the hospitals. Mm. Um, and what I think is, for an outsider's point of view, needs to kind of bear in mind is that the higher levels in the NHS so the senior management on hospital management and things like that are very corporate so they're 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 held positions held by people who don't necessarily have a medical background have never worked on the ground have don't know how medically it runs day to day they come from a corporate background based in business working on figures and looking at money Uh Um, and that's not why nurses became nurses yeah so the blame culture has that always been the way yeah that's I've been there 10 well obviously three years as a student but 10 years and I've held senior management posts I've worked alongside people who do not have a scooby-doo how it runs they're just all about the numbers but what I mean is is that like um is that something that you know came came into place in at a certain time or has that always been the case like as in like did Thatcher introduce can we blame Thatcher for this historically I don't think so but I think that that's naturally just evolved probably over the last 30 40 years where people have been in the corporate world and have seen a new avenue into the NHS because it's such Uh a huge part of our um, country's establishment that um, it's a good Um, and a good safety net and a good uh, industry to work in um, for job security wise but also development Um, so I think it's naturally just progressed in that way yeah and so what you're saying is somebody at senior management level might say look if we could cut your time spent with patients by this then we could save x or we could make y and so you need to do that Um, yeah but they might not have the understanding that, that those twenty that. minutes, or you know, might actually cost in other ways. You know, 
in in terms of patient yeah um, I mean for example you look at um something that was done in within mental health about five six years ago was looking at how you could save money on medication so new medications come out all of the time and I mean I've been using the same medication on some of my patients for god knows how many years and then they bring in a new medication and everyone wants you to try because it's more cost effective and it's cheaper however that that patient might need longer amount of medication which in the long term creates damage yeah which actually would be at a higher price because they need need it longer term whereas they could have the medication we've been using for however many years as part of their treatment plan over a short amount of time and actually be more cost effective but they don't see it in that sense yeah they want immediate results yeah not big picture i get it interesting and when it comes to looking at society as a whole Mm. I was thinking about this blame culture versus I don't know what the opposite you'd call it but um I guess what's the opposite of blame culture what's it called um it was I found it very interesting and I thought like we should apply that to society more like where you know even to the point where when people go to prison for committing um committing an offense you know what what went wrong and how could we make that better do you know what I mean I mean there's a massive um thing in the NHS they're all about learning every bad um or or risky situation that comes about or when a patient accidentally dies from being in hospital um for whatever reason there is always a massive investigation and the the key topic is what can we learn from it so that that we can put things in place and do training and implement something to prevent that from happening again and i guess the opposite of a blame culture is the learning culture is promoting how you can um put something in place that would prevent that from happening from another patient you acknowledge that what has happened shouldn't have happened yeah the shortfalls yeah but you have to also accept that there are things that happen that are honest human mistakes yeah Um, I can't say that people aren't blamed for those things that do unfortunately happen in those circumstances Mm -hmm. but there is always a huge investigation into the other scenarios around that situation that may have impacted or influenced it's not always down to one person yeah there's definitely a kind of team ethic in terms of a multidisciplinary team which means every aspect of someone's treatment plan whether that be a doctor a nurse a support worker a a cleaner and anything who was involved or around that everybody's looked at across the board it's not just because that was your patient that you were looking after and you were the lead nurse for that patient you don't automatically get that blame yeah understand so a wider scope like that wider scope so um nhs at the moment are really tired exhausted tired is not the word burnt out um what is your experience of burnout and yeah tell me your experience of of burnout burnout it's it's quite hard to describe because it does it does differ depending on your resilience um Mm -hmm. for me I when um, the pandemic started last March, I was already going through my own personal um, issues in terms of relationship breakdown, um, completely losing myself, 
um, not been very happy in my life and kind of had started touching on the surface of my own self-awareness journey Mm -hmm. and then the pandemic hit at that time I didn't have any stresses through work Um, but obviously the the pandemic has meant that uh, people have been redeployed in the NHS to go and work where services are um, increased or heightened. Um, mm-hmm. We've been asked to do things that are completely different from our daily jobs and the responsibility and accountability has been put on a lot of people. For example, you might be an adult nurse who's working on a ward and you're now being told to go and work as a paediatric nurse, but you've never been trained or looked after children in your life. Yeah. The expectation is that you take that on because you work under the NHS bracket and and you are required to go and support that area mm-hmm. um, so the dynamics of your daily routines for a lot which of is understandable but at the same time one when, when you have to go through that must be very yeah. stressful it's very um mentally exhausting Mm. Um, because you're constantly worrying about what you might do wrong and whether you're going to get penalized for doing it wrong because it's an area you've never worked in Mm -hmm. Um, you're accountable because you're a professional but that doesn't mean that this area is like you where you're trained better do you know what I mean Um, you kind of you work it's a lot of brain drama I found um, Mm -hmm. to the point where at the end of May June last year I got myself to a better position in terms of my own mental health but I realized that there was a lot of work to do um, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't continue with so many elements of my life breaking down at the same time I had to kind of say hold my hands up and as a mental health professional that's very difficult because I'm the person that should be supporting everybody else and I have the tools to be able to do that but I was the one that was struggling and I had to kind of stop uh, suffering in silence and hold my hands up and say I'm really sorry but I can't do this anymore because I'm struggling myself and I can't do I can't support everyone else if I can't support myself and that shift Um, in role and identity can really affect your confidence and massively and you have massive shame around kind of that kind of thing I guess I felt a dis like I was a disappointment because I was disappointing the patients who needed me and disappointing I guess my um, social network and family network because I didn't want to seem like a failure um I was ashamed to even be at a point in my life where I had to ask for help um bearing in mind I work in the industry that I work in um I became very self-critical and lost all self-belief and constant self-doubt in my profession and could I go back and do this again if I can't even support myself yeah Uh, would they even want me back to continue doing what I was doing um and do I even know who I am anymore um the at the beginning of the pandemic it was a case of of crisis and everyone was pushed pillar to post I mean I worked probably every day for eight weeks with no day off and we're talking like 10 12 hour days um and so the time span when you think about it and we're talking about it now may seem to some listeners not a very short space or a long space of time for something to have such an impact. But when you're dealing with lots of your own personal issues outside of work, and then you're faced with that scenario, it's like a catalyst. It just rockets. 
yeah. and before you've even noticed you've already got a problem yeah um so it was it it took yeah I was I've been very mentally exhausted very emotional um very completely disfigured in terms of my own personal puzzle in life and my journey um definitely felt like quite a few pieces had been fractured um because your identity is fractured isn't it when you're when you're our our jobs are who we are in terms of society status and when you go from the helper to the one that needs help that is a real um change and role yeah and I think it's quite difficult at the best of times when you're not working in a mental health or or caring environment but when you are that individual who has held that profession for such a long time and never had to raise a hand and access your own services for yourself Mm. it's very 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 difficult and it's a difficult mind game to have with yourself because I could have easily sat in silence and be in a worse position now. Mm. Um, but I had to just bite the bullet and and just do it because I knew that one, the services were there that I would benefit from and I needed them. Yeah. And I would come back stronger and come back in a better mindset to be able to and able to on. look after people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from that Zoom that we did on on Friday, a lot of what I got was that people join the nursing profession and the and um, join the NHS because they have this real want to look after people, yeah. and that's so admirable. But what I also got from it was that people keep calling you guys superheroes, but it seemed like um, a lot of the people were trying to put their bodies through something that was almost superhuman in that you know not eating and drinking stopping their natural bodily functions and needs of fueling themselves and having a wee um and it's probably quite a double-edged sword to be called that because you start thinking that you you might start thinking that you should be able to do more and so that you then there's less barriers uh, barriers boundaries and I guess that's very easy for me to sit and as an outsider and look at and say, well, you know, you need to have a wee and you need to do this, but I don't know what the pressures are and I'm not inside that situation when, you know, you know, someone's meds needs to be di- done then mm-hmm. or the dressing needs to be changed or something needs to be done. And if it's not you, then who? Yeah. It's um, very easy as an outsider to think, how have you not had time to have a wee or have a drink? But when you're working in a pressured environment on a ward where you would normally have one to two, so one nurse to two patients, but you're now one nurse to six patients, it it just doesn't functionally work. What you've got to do for one or two patients, you now have to do for an extra four. And so your time that you would have naturally for a 15 minute break or to grab a cup of tea, they're completely gone. Yes, those, definitely. Those opportunities are gone. And the moment that you do get think and think, oh, I've got a breather for 20 minutes, something will happen. An alarm yeah. will go off or a patient needs to be moved or s- someone needs to go for a scan or someone needs pain relief or the buzzers are going. There's always something going on that takes that opportunity away from you. Yeah. And that's really difficult, isn't it? Because that's a very difficult one. <laughs> there's not a very there's not a clear solution other than more staffing and at the moment that's just not um not a possibility because 
you know people are not are not well or um you know they're at capacity because of covid yeah and that's one of the hardest thing is the gaps is that the nhs um historically has never had enough staff no what no matter what field you work in you Mm. end up in a pandemic and a crisis like this that you recognize that there's still nothing that's done about it you're expecting the staff you currently have to work an over amount of work to fill in the gaps and they then go off sick and you don't have anyone to replace them so yeah. you're still in that fighting twenty uh, catch twenty two circle. It, it's never going to change. Yeah, that is really difficult and um, not something that I can fix personally. No. <laughs> but um, so I was really thinking about what I could do that were practical solutions. And uh, sorry, not really practical solutions, but mind bending solutions maybe mm. for how to um, alleviate some of that real stress um Mm -hmm. and it's really hard because I teach a lot that time is a limit not having time is a limiting belief but when it's where does that go you know on a scale of like um you know time is a limiting belief when you're talking to people that really are under a lot of pressure with very very little time Mm -hmm. I feel like that would just be rejected straight away or that would be like, or there'd be that, you know, that's probably not the right way to go. I think there's there. I think there's always a little bit of time outside of the nursing environment. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously at the moment, everyone's trying to play catch up. So if they are doing double the amount of shifts, the time that they do have off, they're having to do double the amount of work at home because they haven't been there. Yeah. What I think is important is that the snippets of of support or encouragement that you give Mm. is in small batches. So they are digestible. yeah they can be done in five or seven minutes or they plant Mm -hmm. a seed for thought for the rest of the day yeah um to give that bit of enlightenment and a shine a bit of light on on the positives um Mm -hmm. and obviously feed encouragement and plant a seed that can be watered over days or weeks that actually give those individuals the opportunity yeah of hope and and to think because that's the hardest thing at the moment is nobody has time to do anything but they also don't have time to think and when they are thinking they're thinking about all the things they haven't done at work yeah that sounds really exhausting and And i'm not laughing i'm sorry it's like awkward laughing at a funeral but (laughs) no it's really i've never done that (laughs) no i've never done that either but you know there is always that song comes in my head i'm the kind of guy that laughs at a funeral yeah. I think I did your um, 21 days of stepping into your power and just even if I didn't have time to sit at the same time as watching the video or, or logging into a live with the workbook it would plant a seed that I would think about for a few hours and then find the time to sit down for 20 minutes and do the homework mm. and it's it's that it's that you can you can log in and watch it live you can go back and watch it whenever you've got time you can have it on an email you can have it on your phone it's there for you it's a resource that gives multiple opportunities to access it I think that's the important part 
And um, one of the ladies on the call said she'd done it three times. And I like the idea of repeating it because I think that every time you do, you get something different out of it. So um, yeah. I've done a lot of coaching um, seminars and stuff. stuff. Um, oh. And every time there'll be something else that comes back to me. And, and um, when I did um, a Tony Robbins like four day um, immersive thing where I was 20 weeks pregnant and we got up at eight in the morning and it started at eight thirty and or even maybe it even started at eight and it finished at midnight for four days in a row and 20 weeks pregnant you think oh, I am definitely going to die but I almost <laughs> think it was there to break you in a way yeah. um, and I refused to walk over the fire everyone else was and I thought you know what it's actually I think it's brave of me to say no I'm not going with the masses because that doesn't interest me at all I'm putting my body through any kind of stress when I'm that when I'm pregnant yeah, doesn't definitely. doesn't compute in my head so I'm just going to say no to that and I did um but um I also did the Tony Robbins coaching last um last lockdown and um what came out what he had gone over was how to create lasting change and mm-hmm. he'd done that with us on the seminar but my brain hadn't really taken that part in at the time um but when I did when I revisited it I thought oh yeah we did that on day three or day four but I hadn't soaked that up as mm. something that was there for other people I'd only really I mean, maybe I had applied it to myself and subconsciously, but I hadn't really thought about how you apply it to other people. And I did like the idea that that lady said that she's redone it and got something different from it every time. And I, and I thought it would be just nice to have that as a resource. But I do really want to write something specific for people in the NHS because I really do feel like... Um, I, I want to talk directly to people in the NHS because I feel like if I say to them, you know, time, not having time is a limiting belief. They're going to yeah. be like, oh, fuck you, Jen. Like, you yeah. don't know. But um, at the same time, like you said, when you're outside of work, of course, you know, we can we can decide if we scroll through Instagram or if we take 10 minutes to watch something that's going to give us some brain food. Yeah, um, exactly. And I think that, that that is true when it comes to limiting belief. But you know, if I say to them, of course you've got time to have a wee and eat an apple, like they might get a bit mad at me. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think when you're talking about um, like Tony Robbins' lasting change and things like that, people have got to want it. People mm. in, they have moment, to be at the right at the, place. Yeah, at the moment, mindset is quite a prominent thing um, with clinical staff. Um, the rate of PTSD is now rocketed um, just in NHS staff alone. Mm. Um, despite everyone else who's experienced something tragic during these times, but you've got to want, you've got to want it. You've got to need to be, yeah, you've got to want to make a change. You've got to want to find the time. You've got to want to improve yourself and have the confidence as as an individual to allow yourself to do it. But the motivation as well, Mm. um, it's very easy. We all know it's very easy to start something and not see it through. And more so at the moment with these clinical members of staff who Mm. don't have time to wee, don't have time to eat food. And when they do have a day off, they're sleeping because they haven't slept for four days. Um, But it's about building the acceptance as well that it is okay to do something like this because a lot of them are starting to feel guilty a lot yeah. of them are taking yeah, that's on extra shifts because they feel guilty for being off mm. um yeah. 
And I think one of the ladies on the Zoom call was talking about the fact that she's in isolation because she had tested positive for COVID, but she's got no symptoms and isn't poorly and she feels guilty for being off. Yeah. But she shouldn't be feeling guilty for being off because she has a positive result. Therefore, she could be spreading it. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's that mindset of getting out of of that guilt thinking that you can't have your own time because none of them feel that they're allowed to have their own time anymore yeah and and I think for me that is really the angle that I need to take when it comes to writing this is that looking after yourself is so vital because you cannot pour from an empty cup and that's what everyone seems to be doing um it seems to be like that you know this put everyone else first put everyone else first mentality is a huge reason why people join because they want to look after other people but mm-hmm. they, there has to be an acknowledgement if you can't if you don't look after yourself you're not going to be able to look after anyone else yeah. um what else was I going to say to you about the other side as well is they've all lost themselves they've lost their identity they've lost yeah. their confidence in themselves as a professional because of the strain but they've lost them their confidence in themselves as an individual they're working mm. and so burnt out that they don't know who they are anymore but yeah. something like this will allow them that little tiny strength in their identity mm. and just build it up bit by bit step by step and you know you said about being open to it um yeah do you think that obviously you went through a breakup when I first met you you had just gone through a breakup yeah um do you think that if that hadn't happened you would have been open to change um I mean the journey for me in terms of self-awareness and um self-fulfillment started probably about 12 months before I saw you which was Mm -hmm. probably about 12 18 months ago when I first met you um so I kind of was already already open um mm. to that and obviously but like a little crack and then you just yeah, went rip. It, <laughs> it wasn't very big at all um and no maybe not yeah, I don't know funny, I've never thought it? about it in that way like I think if my ex-husband and I hadn't split up I would have resisted change at all costs yeah, <laughs> because I, I liked I my still... safe life I think I would still be who I was, very unhappy, suppressing everything, not following my creativities, not having any passion or any energy for anything. Um, and maybe actually then the pandemic would have hit and I would have been actually worse in my own mental health than I actually am now. Yeah. Um, I think. So, yes. Uh, and and then it would have hit you even harder because it wouldn't have been a what it sounds like was that you got cracked open a little bit of light came in 18 months ago say and that light comes in but the crack hurts and then it and then the cracks start to crumble and then you're like on the floor yeah yeah that's what it sounds like like a slow not slow but over a progress of lots of pressure on you Mm. um where I guess some people the rug's just taken from under their feet and all in one go literally whipped out yeah um, but yeah, in, interesting. Okay, well, I'm going to wrap this up, Hannah. Lovely. But thank you for being on. Um, if oh, people want to find you, where can they find you? Um, so um, on Instagram at plus size underscore versus reality um, or little.ginger.life um, is my own private page. Amazing. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on. And actually, thank oh, you for your welcome. encouragement because 
you were so kind to me the other day when I was having a little meltdown about um, what to do next. And, and um, I'm going to keep swimming. Thanks to you. Yeah. You've got to keep swimming. Right. Um, so we have. I really appreciated that. And it was really nice because um, I think I, I think I needed someone that knew, you know, that got it to get it. And you and you got it. I got um, it. So thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're very welcome. And um, and thank you for this. And I'm going to stop recording now. Bye bye, my lovely. Bye bye. Oh.